Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. We're just, we're just super pumped to, to, to be here and to have you here uh, with us. Easter's always, uh, it's obviously a special uh, weekend for the church. It was always a special part of my life growing up. I was raised in church and around church, and so Easter was a big deal. Uh, but just as much as Easter and church was a big deal, all our different holidays, uh, we would go to my, my grandma's house. We had, we had a meemaw. Anybody else have a meemaw, a mama, a mamaw? Come on. Everybody, even worse, it was short for after. I actually had a bungie. Anybody else have a bungie? Didn't think so. Even worse, it was short for bunghole. <laughs> Who calls their grandmother bunghole? Or any other hole for that matter. So, um, somehow we got away with that one. But uh, my, my, my mima was kind of the matriarch of the family. And so all the special occasions, Mother's Day, Christmas, Easter, we all knew we were going to Meemaw's house. And I had two uncles, I guess I still have two uncles that uh, they say they know Jesus just in, in our family, and, and um, they, they're always pulling pranks on their people and, and, and in our family, and because of just kind of who they were, and everybody was always inviting their friends or whatever over for any of the special holidays, there was this particular prank that they would pull on people, uh, on the new people, and we called it the Banana Heimlich. And um, so what would happen was, is if, if you were new, once you sat down at the table, one of the uncles would position themselves right across from you at the table and start eating a banana. And about the time he got it nice and mushy, he would pull the whole and act like he was choking. Well, coincidentally, the other uncle would come to the rescue. Hey, are you okay? Is everything okay? And he would pull the, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not, I can't breathe or whatever, waving his hands. So the uncle would get behind and start doing the Heimlich and then just shoot the banana all over whoever the new person was. Uh, so I'd like to invite you over for Easter. <laughs> so that was always fun. That always kept it interesting. We also, of course, Easter was time to hide Easter eggs and hunt Easter eggs. And uh, we, we always had the prize egg. Anybody know about the prize egg? We'd stuff a little cash in the prize egg. And when I was really young, my uncle started this deal where one Easter, the prize egg happened to be under a cow patty. Now, in Texas, we know that a cow patty is not something you put on a Whopper or a Big Mac. It's, uh, it's a different kind of patty, and, uh, which I think was just their own little way of keeping Easter interesting the rest of their lives, because now every Easter, when, or every Easter when we'd go to hide eggs or hunt eggs, the kids, as soon as they turned us loose, everybody's just running around grabbing cow patties and picking them up and, <laughs> and look at... So we've all got our, our Easter, Easter traditions. Thanks for being a part of our Easter here, the Easter tradition here uh, today. I, I tell you what, I, apparently I got a new tradition that started with a new friend of mine, and I, I genuinely hope he doesn't uh, hear this podcast because I really do admire and respect this kind of new mentor in my life. But this morning um, at 3.30 a.m., he texted me, he is risen. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not yet. <laughs> Like, I was going to celebrate his risenness when I chose to rise at 6.30, not 3.30. So uh, hopefully that's not a trend that, that, that continues. But we're just glad you're here with us again as a part of Sometimes God sees things uh, a while ago. We, I think sometimes God sees things, or I know God sees things from such an eternal perspective, he doesn't get in a hurry. 
Uh, he, he doesn't require us to know all the Bible or learn all the Bible uh, all at once, and sometimes I think we can start to feel guilty if we don't have it all figured out. I'll just let you know, I'm just leaving the book of Revelations to somebody else for a while. I, I really don't know what all that's talking about at times, but I just don't think God gets in a hurry. I think he, he sees things from an eternal perspective, and because he sees things from an eternal perspective, uh, he goes through seasons where in seasons of time, God will reveal things to his people, and he'll even call different people to focus on one particular topic. Uh, for a season, and, and, and that's really kind of how, how we've been at Renew Life Church. I would say we've basically lived kind of in one of two seasons uh, since the beginning of the church. We, we're only four and a half years old this coming August. Uh, we'll turn five years old. And so in, in the last four and a half years or so, God's kind of had us in one of two places. Josh mentioned uh, the first place, which is in First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter five, and uh, he, he's kept us there for a while. And I want to I read Second Corinthians 5. The good news is, is if, you, if, you, if you haven't come to Renew Life Church before and you're considering making this your church home, I'm going to sum up the, the last four and a half years in the next 22 minutes. So we're going to get you caught up to speed. Uh, but 2 Corinthians 5, I want to read it and point out a few other things here. Starting in verse 14, it says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. When the Lord was first talking to me about this, he reminded me, notice I said ministry the first time and message the second. Can I just say this? I think the world around us needs a little less message and a little more living the gospel and administering the gospel to people, the good news to people, than they do need another message, amen? We are the employee on Christ's behalf talking to us as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, I want to put some, some focus on this next verse, verse 21 today. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, this was a foundation scripture for us at Renew Life Church, but if I'm just being honest with you, I think it was a, a, not just a foundation for us, it is the thing else you see in scripture in the life of every believer. I think if you disinterpret this right, every single thing else you see in scripture, you can see it through the wrong lens and therefore misinterpret God as being someone that he's not. <clears throat> the Bible says he made him who had no sin to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God, and of course, Josh did a great job of talking about reconciliation, uh, bringing man back into a state uh, of favor with God. But one of the things that I, when you read that scripture, God made him who, who, who had no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. When he says we might become the righteousness of God, that word righteousness means back in right standing with God. But to understand that, you have to actually understand how did you get out of right standing with God in the first place? Did you do something when you were in your mother's womb? Did you sass your mom at a very young age and so you came out a sinner? <laughs> Is that when you messed up? Or was it the first time you sinned after you were born and all of a sudden that first sin separated you from God? Why are you separated from God? Why were you 
separated from God or unrighteous, not in right standing with God. Well, it may come as a shock to you today, but you need to hear this. Your sin is not what separated you from God. It's not what made you be born unrighteous. It was actually somebody else's sin that caused that. We read about it in Romans chapter five, verse 12. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through what? One man. Sin, or a sin nature, being born of a sin nature, came into the world through one man. And no, you were not that one man. You were not that one woman. It says, in death through sin, so death spread to all, because, uh, to all men because all sin. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, see he's describing how the, the sin nature, a death nature was a part of who you were, not because of your sin, but because of what Adam did. The free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more reign in life the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Then he sums it up here in verse 19. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. You were made a sinner because of what Adam did. But here's the good news. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. That deserves a... Take um, yourself... You didn't make yourself a sinner. You didn't, make, you, you didn't cause that sin nature. It happened because of what Adam did. In Genesis chapter one, the Bible tells us God created Adam and Eve and he made mankind in our, them and us in, in his image. We were created in the likeness and the image of God. We were already in right standing with God and then when Adam did what he did, he broke that. He, 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 he severed that right relationship with God. That's when mankind became unrighteous and now every single person that's been born since, is, that's been born since then was born with a sin nature. And so you have to understand that you didn't cause your sin nature. Your sin didn't cause your sin nature. It has to do with the way that you were born. In the same way, your goodness can't decide your good nature. You can't do enough good to be right with God. You can't read your Bible enough to be right with God. You can't come to church enough to be right with God. So many people, they feel the weight, the guilt, the shame, the condemnation on Easter Sunday to come to church because in some way, shape, or form, they'll think God will be pleased with them if they come to church. Can I just tell you, God, you coming to church is not what makes God pleased with you. It's your faith in Jesus that once and for all made God love you, like you, wanna be around you, brought right relationship with him. Your righteousness comes from one man's obedience, not from yours. 
So if, you, if, if, if your sin didn't make you a sinner and your, and your good behavior didn't, is not what made you righteous, then you have to start to wrap, wrap your mind around this concept is you can't sin enough to change your nature. Sin enough to change your nature. Your sin didn't cause your bad nature. Your, your, your obedience didn't cause your good nature. And to think in some way, shape, or form that after you've made Jesus the personal Lord and Savior of your life and you've accepted the righteousness that can only come from him, to think that you sinning can cause that nature to go away is to say that your sin is greater than Jesus' obedience. Thank you for the three claps in the back. We, oh, oh no, 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 now you're gonna get me wrong. Now we're clapping. Just think about that. My sin didn't make me wrong. My good behavior didn't make me right. Jesus made me right. What makes me think that I have more power than Jesus? If Jesus made me right, do I think I can go one notch above Jesus and make me wrong? Even if it's with my bad behavior? And I'll, and I'll just be honest with you, when I first heard the gospel preached this way, it was almost as if, I'm in my mind, I'm like, this, this can't be right. If you start telling people that sins, that, it's, that, you, that your sin can't change your nature, that God did it once and for all, in my mind, I thought, is that not going to make people want to sin? Until I continued to hear this word, and hear this word, and hear this word. And, all, and I remember the scripture, it says, it's the goodness of God that leads all men to repentance. It's not the goodness of God that leads all men to pray a prayer someday so that they would know that they would go to heaven. I'm talking about true repentance, turning from the life that they were once living and going another direction. The Bible says it's God's goodness that causes a man to turn and go the other way. Not judgment, not shame, not condemnation, but the goodness of God. This is the message, what Jesus did, making us righteous. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message of the goodness of God. And the more I began to hear this, what I, what I realized is the more I understood his nature, the more I wanted to follow him. The more I understood what he did for me, the more I wanted to do right, not because I had to do right, because I wanted to do right. Can I just say this? Everybody in this room, you know right from wrong. And it's not that you don't want to do right. You don't have the power to. It is the grace of God that gives us the power to do right. Not our own strong will, not grit in your teeth. It is the message of the grace of God. You can't sin enough <laughs> to change your nature. No more than I can bark and make me a dog. Roof. Roof. See, a, a dog barks because that's his nature, so it, it comes as a part of his nature. But I can bark all I want to, and I ain't gonna become a dog. I tell you what, uh, I, I, one of my favorite barking, um, some of you, uh, my wife and I had a little encounter at one point in our marriage about barking. Um, some of you have heard this story, uh, but I hadn't gotten tired of telling it, so I, maybe you hadn't gotten tired of hearing it yet. It was actually the biggest fight we had gotten into in our marriage. It was about five or six years into our marriage, and uh, we had a, I was a youth pastor, she was a worship leader, and we were at some friends of our house, a small group, and uh, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not bragging or anything, but there was this game that I was pretty much unbelievable at. And um, me and a buddy of mine, it was quite ridiculous how good we were, to be honest with you. And, uh, but it's not about that. It's about Jesus. Um, and uh, 
So we always played this game and the guys would always play the girls and we would beat the girls at almost every single time. I mean, it was just, it was, it was borderline ridiculous how good we were now that I say it, think about it. Um, but this one time, Leanne's friend, who uh, I won't mention Tracy's name, um, <laughs> she had it in her head that this would be the day that they would win, that this was gonna be the day. The game was catchphrase. Anybody ever played catchphrase? You don't wanna play me. Uh, but the game was, the game was catchphrase. <laughs> Some of the people were like, challenge accepted, you know. But, but the, they, they thought this is the one that we're gonna win tonight. And so uh, Tracy was so confident. She said, I tell you what, uh, I, think, I think we should play for consequences. And I said, go on. <laughs> She said, no, I, th- I think we should play for consequences. In fact, I think the winners, or, or maybe the losers, whoever loses, now mind you, we all worked together, did life together most of the time, so that we were gonna be around each other a lot for the next week. She said, I, 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 I propose that the losing team, for the rest of this week, when someone says their name, they have to respond with a bark. <laughs> I, and I thought to myself, this might be the greatest week of my life. This is going to be fantastic. And I said, so and, and if I'm being 100% honest with you, Leanne's confidence level was more like a, if, if Tracy's was a 10, Leanne's was more six or seven, you know, and, and, but, you know, she had to go there with her, with her partner. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to win. That's what we're going to do. Everybody's barking. I said, this is going to be fantastic. And so, not to my surprise, we dominated. We crushed. We dominated so bad. It was just, it was ridiculous. If I mentioned it, I'm pretty good at that game. Um, so we win, and it was one of those where the, the writing was on the wall, and uh, I, I, we get done, and I said, man, this is, this is amazing that we won, isn't it, Tracy? Roof. <laughs> I said, oh, I, I just, I, so I stopped, Tracy. Roof. <laughs> so I started there, and then I turned my attention to my wife. And I said, what do you think about all this, Leanne? <laughs> I said, like, I'm sorry. I, I'm fairly certain I said Leanne. I ain't barking. I said, what do you mean you ain't barking? You're going to bark. We made an agreement. And you're going to bark. You can't, you can't make me bark. Oh, you're going to bark. And I, I'm telling you, for the next 20 minutes, yes, 20 minutes, we fought over whether or not she was going to bark the rest of the week. It got so awkward. I mean, literally, we ruined the rest of the small group. Small group was over. Everybody was watching us fight. And so uh, she's over there pleading her case with the ladies, and we kind of went our separate ways, and I'm gathering up our stuff. And at this time, Susanna was probably two or three years old and could, was kind of starting to, to talk. And I think a demon came over me, and I said, um, I said, Susanna, could you come here for just a second? I said, would you, would you go over to your mother and ask her, can you even spell integrity? <laughs> yep. So, so Susanna just waddles over there to the little group of ladies, and, Mama, can you spell integrity? <laughs> and they made that sound y'all all made well ago, like, oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> In fact, the friend of mine that we won the game came up to me after the service and says, you know, I just remembered Leanne owes us a week of barking. 
I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but like I was saying, barking doesn't make you a dog. It's not, it's not your nature. Well, when Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, changed your nature, your sin can't change your nature. Something happened on the inside of you that can never be undone. You can't sin enough to change your nature. And, and, and it's just so important that you start to wrap your mind around that. It filter everything you think, every scripture you read through that, that lens. I am and always will be from this day forward, from the time you make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That has to become your filter. Now, we sat in that for, as a church for probably two and a half years, and the Lord just told me, continue to teach this, continue to talk about the grace of God, continue to preach the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And to be 100% honest with you, there were times where I told Leanne, I was like, are people not going to, are they not getting tired of this? Is, not, is this not going to get bold? God was wanting to win almost every single week, and for two and a half years, this mind began to see that God was God was wanting to once and for all change the mindset, change a religious mindset that says you are what you do, not you are what Jesus did. And he was shifting the atmosphere and shifting some minds. The Bible says as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And after about two and a half years, the Lord kind of opened my eyes to the second scripture that Josh read in 1 Corinthians. After that, it says, and God set these gifts in the church, first and second prophets, third teachers, after that, miracles, healings, administration, helps administration, and various kinds of tongues. And, and, and I just finished a series in our church on the apostolic church where we addressed this idea of first apostle, second prophet, third teacher, and we kind of talked a little bit about that. And so I don't want to go there, but I do want to take us all back, if you will, to where we started almost two years ago when the Lord started to move us as a church into a different season towards some, towards some different things. And, and, and what he began to unpack for us is this idea of uh, of miracles and healing. And I remember for the, when I saw this for the first time in Scripture, I was in my office, I was studying for something else, and when I read that, that passage of Scripture, I just, I literally just, uh, I'm just wired a little like this, and I just literally smacked my, my notebook up in the air and stood up in the middle of my office by myself, and I was like, Lord, we're, we're not getting this right. <laughs> this is not the church that, this is not the church that I see. This is not what we've been going after. We have not been going after miracles and healing more than anything. And yet it says in your scripture, that's the first thing you want your church to experience. We teach, I think we teach good messages. We have good programs. We have a good children's ministry. There's some classes that you can take in 101 and 201 and 301. And we were doing all the things that, 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 that I was trained to do, but I couldn't find what I was trained to do in that scripture. And can I just say this? We're not called to build the churches we want. We're called to build the churches that he sees, the church that he says in his word. And we be, I just began to, to look at this, and it's like, okay, miracles and healing, miracles and healing. And, and if you go back and study what, what we're talking about there, the Bible says, and when you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 28, that whole list is, uh, are, are different things that are plucked from three different portions of Scripture where God says in three different places, and God talks about and introduces us to this idea that there are spiritual gifts. Ephesians chapter 4 talks to us about some ministry gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, the first part of 1 Corinthians 12 talks about some, some manifestational gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then Romans chapter 12 talks to us about some redemptive gifts. And that's really the only time in Scripture you see gifts mentioned. And that's, that, that, that's kind of the big three sections, if you will. And 1 Corinthians 12, 28 is a list of a few of these gifts and a few of these gifts. All of those, 
all of them, though, are gifts that are mentioned in Scripture. They are spiritual gifts. But notice they are spiritual gifts, not spiritual rewards. See, you earn a reward. You don't earn a gift. See, when, when you, what do they bring you? People don't bring you birthday rewards. What do they bring you? Birthday gifts. It's something that you get simply for being born. A gift is something that's given to you, not that you earned it, not that you deserved it. It's a, it's a, it's a birth thing. <laughs> that's why it's so important when it comes to, to understanding spiritual gifts and how God wired us and, 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 and different things like that, that we, under, we must first understand how we were born again that we were born again with a new nature. And since we were born again with a new nature, some gifts came with that born againness, if you will, that you cannot earn and you cannot deserve. Because see, the first time I read that and it said, okay, in the church, there's gonna be miracles and healing. And I told the Lord, I said, I don't know how to do either one of those. That's for like televangelists and people on CBN or C something. Swing your jacket and I was like, I don't, know how to do, I, I don't know how to do that. But even the fact that I was saying that, I can say this now, it's because I didn't understand fully that, that spiritual gifts are spiritual gifts, not spiritual rewards. They don't come because you earn them, deserve them, or learn how to do them. They're a gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you were born again, when Jesus made you righteous, he made you perfect, and then he joined your perfect spirit with his perfect Holy Spirit. So when you were born again, a gift package, if you will, came with that. And with that gift package came the spiritual gift of healing, the spiritual gift of miracles. See, they were spiritual gifts. You don't earn them, you don't deserve them. They come because of who you are as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you may be sitting there thinking, okay, pastor's a little heavy-handed for Easter, like you're going after miracles and healing. And this is not to be overly critical, but can I just say this? At the risk of sounding crazy, at least from what I can tell, Easter, as we know it, isn't working. Because every Easter, churches are filled with people who the Holy Spirit moves upon their heart. They come up, they come to church, and, and, I, and I'm all for that. And they may even raise their hand at the end of a service during an altar call and give their life to the Lord. But my question is, check, I know I'm going to have change in their life. Or is that just the box that they check? I know I'm going to heaven. I got, the, I got that one checked. I'm good. But is the gospel being preached in such a way? And are people being empowered in such a way where what happens on an Easter Sunday might actually affect the Sunday after that and the Sunday after that and the Sunday after that? Because I'll just tell you right now, to enjoy everything that Jesus has done for you, it's so much more than saying yes to what he did to the, on the cross and receiving your salvation. Through that same work, he's also empowered you to be an ambassador of his, to go into all the world and preach the good news just like Jesus did. And if you never take the step from being just a consumer of Christ to an ambassador of Christ, you will never live the fulfilled life that he's called you to live in. The Bible tells us 
that signs, wonders, and miracles are for who? Unbelievers. Can I just say this right now? If you would just be so courageous, if you would just be so bold to believe that gifts like miracles, gifts like, he, got, gifts like healing, they're not just for people like me or Josh or somebody in ministry or Joel Osteen or Billy Graham, that they are for you. And they're not just for the church. They're for the workplace. They're for the oil field. They're for the schools. And if you would just be so courageous to believe that and believe that even though you might make some mistakes here and there, that doesn't change who you are and it doesn't take away the gifts that God's given you. They're spiritual gifts, not spiritual rewards. And maybe inside you is the power to pray for somebody and see a miracle. The power to pray for someone and see a healing. And all that God's looking for from you is just the courage to give it a try. What, what if Easter was different this year? What if you just didn't come to hear about what God's done for you? But what if you also heard what God's given you to do for others? What if a, what if a group of people just got so bold and so courageous to say, you know what? I don't, I don't know how to do this. I'm being honest with you. When the Lord began to show me this stuff in Scripture, I was like, Lord, I don't know how to do a miracle. I don't know how to do a healing. And he gave me the Scripture in Psalms that says, blessed is the man whose heart is set on a pilgrimage. Blessed is the man. Here's what the Lord is saying to me. You just go after it in your heart. I'll bless it. There's not a certain right way to pray this or a right way to do that. You don't got to swing your jacket or whatever. It works for some. Great. But my point is that what if just sitting in your environment, your family, at your school, at your job, or wherever that is that you have influence, what if you began to listen in for an opportunity to pray for somebody to get a miracle? What if you began to listen in and believe God that an opportunity to pray for somebody to be healed is going to show up. And whether you believe it would even happen or not. I, we, we did a service uh, in our, our church office several, several months ago, or a couple months ago. And this guy was talking about some of the things that we're talking about right now. And he was, he was teaching people how to lay hands on people and see them healed. And he said, I'm having a hard time believing this. That doesn't believe in what we're doing. Just <laughs> having a hard time believing this. That's skeptical. And he's... And, both services, we did two different nights. Both nights, uh, uh, a different girl would raise her hand and say, you know, I, I, I don't know about this. He says, perfect, you're exactly who I'm looking for. And he called them up on the stage and he, he tutored them, if you will. He didn't pray for people to be healed. He just told them what to pray for people to be healed. Mind you, people that didn't even always, all, all, all the way believe in what we were doing, in what was going on. And we saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle happen both nights, all because someone was just willing to give it a try. Just willing to try. See, for too long, religion has taught us if we don't do enough good, if we don't tithe, if we don't come to church, if we don't stop cussing, if we don't top, stop drinking, if we don't stop smoking that weed, then there's no way God could use us to do something amazing, to help advance his kingdom. Can I just tell you that right now? Well, maybe you should stop smoking that weed, for one. But I, I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you that maybe that's not what he was looking to change. Maybe what he was looking to change is your mindset that the power to do amazing things happen not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did for you on the cross.
I want this Easter to be different. I want it to yield different results. I want, and the Lord just reminded me this morning, his word is so powerful. He didn't need a fancy message from me. He didn't need a fan, some fancy lights or screen. He didn't need any of that. His word was enough. And I'm just believing with all of my heart that as we've read this word and talked about this word and leaned into some things, that this word is making an impression in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, in every part of your being, that when you leave here today, you cannot go back to doing life as usual. You cannot go back to normal. You cannot go back to just doing church. That something happens on the inside of you today that changes the rest of your life. Because if something doesn't happen today that changes your life, what's gonna happen to those out there that need what you have? How are they gonna hear? How how are they gonna experience God? How are they gonna get their miracle? How are they gonna get their healing? Unless a group of people say, you know what? We gotta go after this. This is what the world needs. Church isn't working, but the gospel always does. The true gospel of Jesus always works. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland-Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.